This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club. Because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. The, is it morning yet, deal. How about now? Or now? Because morning time is McDonald's breakfast time. And that's the best time of all the times. Wake up with a little splash of sweetness. Get any size iced coffee from caramel to hazelnut to French vanilla for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Welcome to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman, and joining me right now is Max Cohen. This is our post-match show of Fulham's 2-2 draw with Charlton Athletic at Craven Cottage on Saturday. We have a lot to get through in this episode, so we're not going to waste any time. We're just going to get right to it. Max, let's talk about this crazy 2-2 draw. Just give me your opening thoughts. We need to win these matches, Russ, and, and that's a sad thing. And I saw this on Twitter, and it sums it up perfectly. Right now? We're on top six form. A team who's on top two form wins this game. And that's just the difference between automatic promotion and the playoffs. There's no doubt we're one of the best six teams in the league. And we've shown that all season, you know, unbeaten in six matches. But it's turning these home draws into wins. That's what gets you automatic promotion. And we're not there yet. And it's not time to panic. We're essentially a quarter of the way through. But it's frustrating because we had chances. We could have won this match. We should have won this match in that second half, and we didn't. I think that's why most likely we're going to get the playoffs this season, and top two might just be out of our reach. Well, I hope you're wrong about the top two, but I understand where you're coming from and why you're seeing what you're seeing, because the team should win a match like this. But I want to ask you this question, because this is my number one talking point. I mentioned this on the full-time show as well, because – I knew before the match I was reading about this, and I had a feeling this was going to happen, that Charlton Athletic would start off in a different formation. There were already clues that this was going to happen, like I said, the day before, because I read this on Friday. So I'm thinking, okay, Fulham might try to match up with what they're doing. And Scott Parker 
did what he did, talking about formation-wise. And I understand that. But, Max, I was trying to think about this, and I want your thoughts on this. Did Scott Parker make a mistake not matching up to begin the match with what Charlton Athletic did? We're talking about three at the back. He did that in the second half, and it worked brilliantly. Honestly, it really did. And I want to give him full credit. But I have to look back and think about him as a new manager and learning. And I think one of the things that I know Slavisa would have given some thought to, and I'm sure he did as well, because I've seen Slavisa do this in his time. He would match up with the opponent, play the same formation, play it back to them. So what are your thoughts about that? Am I wrong to criticize him or am I right to criticize Scott Parker's approach before the match even began? Yeah, I mean, you're right. As soon as we switched that 3-5-2 in the second half, we were by far the better side, and that's when we played our best football. And the first half, we we look overran. They had the extra yes. man in midfield. I mean, Sky said himself in the, in the post-match interview, you know, we just did not have an extra man in there, and it showed. But I don't know. I think when you're at home, who newly promoted side, I, I'm not going to blame Sky for not matching them up. I think you have to stick with your guns. That's almost showing them too much respect. Without looking back, that's obviously when we played best when we, when we did match them up. But that's my point. I don't know. I I think it might just be a bit too much nitpicking because we just come off that four one win against Reading. We're yeah. confident in our football. I don't know if if that was the right move from from the start. Okay. I think in that first half, maybe the mistake is not necessarily not matching up, but maybe why isn't Harrison Reed playing? You know, why isn't Bobby Deckard over Reed starting? Right. Maybe those are the situations that I might look to to criticize him. And maybe not the formation. Okay. Because I'm thinking, you know, even in the first half, there could have been the opportunity to change the formation, maybe make one change, taking off Cessnion earlier. Listen, I've seen Silvisa do it. And then maybe in the second half, bringing on Reed. You know, you don't have to be too dramatic. You can make one substitution and change the formation. But, you know, again, these, these are thoughts going through my head because, Max, when I'm watching the first half, John Athletic were the better side. Let's start here, okay? And Johnny Williams was destroying Fulham in the first half. And everything changes in the second half. You really didn't see much of Johnny Williams in the second half. And I think the substitutions and the change really worked well. So I guess I'm looking at it. I understand why the substitutions were made at the half because they needed to be. And it worked great. I'm just frustrated that we watched that for the first half and thinking to myself, this isn't working. Let's fix it now. And, uh, that's where my frustration lies, Max. Yeah, certainly. Um, but you're right. You know, second half was excellent. Uh, but first half, they were all over us. And fair play to Johnny Williams. I mean, anyone who watched that uh, Sunderland Till I Die documentary is going to be rooting for him. He's a really likable figure. It's nice to see him back on the pitch and uh, free from injury concerns. He's yes. quality. Gallagher, the Chelsea Loney, was quality. Great goal. I thought, you know, Pratley, former phone player, I thought he was Did a nice job on the Tom Kearney in the first half. Yeah, and those uh, and those and those wingbacks, you know, um, n- number eight. I can't remember his last name. Foster Cast or something like that. Yep. He gave Sessignon tons of problems in the left wing. On the other side, it was Solly. I mean, and, and the striker, you know, coming from non-league, late Orient last season. This is a team. <laughs> it almost reminded me in ways, and this is maybe a little bit insulting, but it's almost like kind of a Barnsley performance. In that, a this is a newly promoted side. A lot of players who are hungry, but better than Barnsley. Themselves. Barnsley for sure. Um, Lee Boyer is a good manager, and they really had a great game plan in that first half. They did, and they they just quicker to the ball. They moved it quick. They moved it fast at us, and their attacks were a lot more precise. 
and they were good value for their lead. Right. But again, if you look at this as basically two matches in one, still the same players I'm talking about for Charlton Athletic, and they could do nothing in the second half. They made changes as well. But let's be honest here, Max. Fulham dominated the second half. And when did you really see Charlton Athletic threatening, except for obviously the goal that they got? There weren't that many opportunities. There was maybe one or two. But beyond that, that was all about Fulham in the second half. So that's oh, what yeah, yeah. gets me to think about what we didn't do. But like I said, the other side of this is that I think I am seeing growth from Scott Parker because he just didn't stick with what was going on. He made a significant change and it worked. And that's a good sign moving forward for him as a manager. I guess I'm just looking for more and, you know, wishing that maybe he would have considered matching up. but basically brought up a good point, Max. Maybe that would have been giving too much uh, respect to child and athletic. But I understand that. On the other side, though, I'm thinking, give me the best chance to win. Put my team in the best position to succeed. And I guess we could say in the first half, they weren't, and they adjusted, and then they were in the best position to succeed because they really dominated the second half, even though they didn't win the match. All right, my friend. Let's get into this. Let's talk about, you've already mentioned this, the starting 11 and the 18 overall. So would you have gone for something different in the starting 11? You mentioned both reads. So your thoughts. Yeah, I I would have done both reads, honestly. And I would have taken out Arter and put in Harrison Reed and possibly even started Dekordova Reed uh, instead of Johansson. Now, I thought Johansson actually played quite well, but based on their performance in midweek, they were excellent. A lot of people also saying Bobby Reed for sure deserved to start. And you saw when he came on, I think, without a doubt, this was his best game for Fulham. Absolutely. Uh, he was everything I think everyone thought he would be today, uh, yesterday. So he was he was bright. He was pacey. His, his shots, he had a great cross for Kennedy that led to the second goal. He was involved in so much. And if only Russ, only could have tapped home two yards out with an empty, empty net to win us a match. That would have been the perfect... <laughs> Probably going to cap off the performance, but he missed, and that's the difference. That's sad. Yeah, but apart from that, I think uh, the starting eleven. Uh, I mean, it's a really, it's still a very strong starting eleven. And sure, that, of it course. It goes to show the strengthening we had this summer is so needed because Arder, Johansson, Kearney, and then you still have that very, very strong bench, and it made the difference. Absolutely, no, it's a good point there, Max. And uh, what's interesting, and I'm glad that you, you mentioned this, and we'll be talking about this at the end of the show, talking about Man of the Match. just want to mention, unfortunately, our co-host, Jan Chenez, couldn't join with us today, but he wanted to share his Man of the Match, and it's Bobby Reed. So I just want to mention that right now. We'll talk about that, who your Man of the Match is in a little bit. All right, my friend, let's get into this. Let's talk about the first half, and uh, I'll just go over some key moments, and then we'll get your overall thoughts on it. Mine are something that I said on the full-time show. The word dire, I think, is the best word to describe it. It just wasn't working for Fulham. And full credit to Child and Athletic. They were the better side in the first half. But let's go through some key moments. And the first thing that I want to mention is the yellow card from Joe Bryan early on in the seventh minute. Thankfully, that didn't come back to bite us a while. But that was something to be concerned about. But then he comes back 10 minutes later, Max. It has a nice shot. It just... Goes wide, but, you know, again, I like the aggressiveness of Joe Bryan. And then in the 21st minute, you have a save by Marcus Bettinelli on Darren Prattley. 
And then a little bit later, you have actually the yellow card from for Gallagher. He would come back to hurt Fulman in a little bit. We'll talk about that. In the 33rd minute, you have a shot by Williams that is again saved by Betts. And I'm just going to mention one more time, Johnny Williams was extremely dangerous in this match for Child Athletic, especially in the first half. In the 37th minute, you have a shot by Johansson. 38th minute, Mitro's header just goes over. And then we have to stop and we have to talk about the goal, Max, in the 41st minute by Gallagher. Give me your thoughts about Child Athletic taking the lead. I hate to say this. I think they deserve to take the lead, but it really hurt Fulham at that point. Your thoughts? It's just a really poor defending, honestly. And from the first play, which it's really just a goal kick. It's a long ball. It's nothing too special. Reem misses the header. And that's not great, but it's not the end of the world. Essentially, when, when the ball falls to the Charleston striker after the flick on, there's really only two Charleston players in attack. And we died for this game, but we still had Sassanero and Mawson and Brian back in defense. But as the play progresses, players like Gallagher and other Charlton forwards come into the box. The ball gets played wide. Sassanero is nowhere near the winger. I mean, that was a constant theme. They always seem to have two men on our, on our left, on our right back position. And Sassanero just could not contain any of them. He had a very tough match. Way too much time for that cross to come in. But as, again, as Charlton players come to the box, the, cent- the center backs um, drop off. Actually, Brian's playing a center back. Reem is the closest um, to, that, to, the, to the header that gets flicked back in the middle. And then no one marks Gallagher. Gallagher has so much space, Russ, yeah. in that 18-yard box. And the sad thing is, I took a screenshot of, of this moment, is that when the header comes back in, which Gallagher scores off, you know, Harry Arder and Stephanie Hansen standing two yards from each other at the edge of the 18, just looking at Gallagher. That's where our sentiment should be, is following the ball and making sure that cutback gets cut out. Instead, they're just watching, waiting, making no effort to get back, and Gallagher is a simple finish uh, from 10 yards. So it was just a breakdown in so many areas. First, that misheader by Reem. Secondly, Sessignon giving the Charlton left winger all the time in the world to get that cross in. And thirdly, center midfielders common theme of last season if you remember yep. it felt like i was watching sarian and gisa again just failing the tracker on so i mean a, a really a really unfortunate breakdown just no communication no willingness to get back and, and uh, although they deserved it it was still a frustrating goal to concede absolutely very good there and i just want to mention just a couple of minutes later you have an opportunity from anthony narcott to equalize before the end of the half but it just wasn't to be so, Max, on a scale of 1 to 10, what would you give Fulham for the half? I'm going to give them a 2 because I, I thought they were very poor. And uh, I want to give, like I said, full credit to Child and Athletic. But this was a poor performance by Fulham, and uh, they deserve to be down a goal. What would you give Fulham for the half? Yeah, I'm, I'm a, I honestly don't think we were that bad, Russ. I'm going to give us a 5. And, and okay. that's because, listen, you're right. There were very, very few clear-cut opportunities. I think our first shot on target took until the 37th minute. That's immediately a concern. Right. But we actually got into good positions with some frequency, and there are a lot of dangerous crosses put in the box from Knockart, uh, from Johansson, from Cavallero. It's just the crosses did not meet a full in person. But a lot of really nice low-ball, fizzed across, uh, crosses chipped in. So you're not going to show up on shots on target or shots. But there were some nice passes to play. And yes, were we the better we were we were the worst team 
in that first half, Charlton deserved their lead. But yep. there were passes in the play where we got the ball moving, Henry got involved, Mitra had a tussle, yeah. maybe should have had a penalty, arguably. But it wasn't terrible, but you're right. It wasn't where we need to be. I, I think it's average. I'll give, I'll give us a five Okay. that first half. It just wasn't flowing the way it certainly did in the second half. So we, let's move to the second half, and I think the changes change the match. That, to me, is the turning point when you look at Harrison Reed coming on for Harry Arter and Bobby Reed coming on for Sessignon. And, unfortunately, Steven Sessignon did have a poor match. And he's a young player. He's going to have matches like this, but I'm glad that Scott Parker decided to make the change. I don't think it's going to affect Sessignon moving forward. I think this is a tactical change. And also, Steven Sessignon, young player, he'll learn from this. So I, I think it's a good learning experience from him. So now Fulham go three at the back. They match up with John Athletic. And Max, as we go through talking about the second half, it's a completely different half for Fulham. They're, they dominated the play. And it started off pretty early on. You have the shot by Bobby Decadover Reed in the 53rd minute. Two minutes later, you have the goal by Cavallaro. And Fulham seemed to score spectacular goals. This is another one. But something that I also want to mention is that Cavallaro was on the other side. They switched. And, again, he was dangerous the entire second half, Max. They just had to get the ball to him. His crosses in the box were dangerous. His play in general, extremely dangerous. For me, Cavallaro was huge in the second half. But let's talk about his goal in the 55th minute. This was a beauty. Oh, it was it was lovely. Uh, it all starts off with an excellent one, too, with Deco Nova Reed. And, and Reed's pass just is so nicely made it to play right into Cavalera's run. And Cavalera's first touch to cut inside Saar, that's also top class, leaves him for dead and sets up perfectly for that left-footed curler. I mean, what what a great goal in the top corner. And correct me if I'm wrong, Russ, but that's his weak foot, right? We're so used to seeing Cavalera cut in from the left, curl it with yep. his right foot in the top corner. But this is what, well, this is left. Oh, it's beautiful. And that's what makes it even more impressive is that the technique, the curl, but the power on that with someone's weak foot as just top, top wing play. Um, we know Cavalier has a goal like that in him. Yep. And I actually thought he was very bright in the first half. Didn't quite have the end product, but a lot of nice touches, good skill, nice pace on the left. But he was he a different level right. in the second half. Exactly. And and I think that might just be a simple solution to our wing play problems is play Cavalier, play Knockart on the wings uh, with, with their strong foot. Yeah. You know? Because they can't cut inside, but I think as we saw many more times in the second half, Cavalera's right footage crosses from the right wing were very dangerous. Yep, absolutely. And this is something to look at moving forward. And also the formation. Again, it's good to know that Fulham can play this formation and be so effective. So there are a lot of positives to take out of this. And um, the play of uh, Cavalero in the second half, huge positive. Now we have to talk about a negative because right after this, they score a goal, Max. This is so frustrating. Fulham finally equalized. And I'm telling you, at that point, I'm thinking, oh, they're going to go on and score two to three more goals. It felt that way. And this is a vulnerable point. Right after you score a goal, it always is. And they came back and they scored the goal. And this is a poor goal, Max, to give up. So I want to give your thoughts on the goal. And I do want to mention, listen, Marcus Bettinelli made some key saves. I'm just going to mention this because you heard this too. The announcer asked a question, so I'm going to ask you the same question. Could he have done better? I'm paraphrasing, but he was talking about the play of, of Bettinelli. I've watched it a few times. I want your thoughts on it. Yeah, no, 
totally fair point to make. The positioning was poor. The, the header from, from, from Bond is nothing special. It's a good flick on, but it shouldn't be the keeper who's in the right position. And you look at the replay, and there's one angle that really showed it, is that Betts, he's coming out, he stops, and he starts backpedaling. And it's kind of the same situation when you see a keeper step to his right during a free kick, yep. and the shot goes to his left, and he's already kind of going the other way, so he can't gain up momentum on his dive to get back across. Same thing in this situation. He stepped front, and it chipped him, and he couldn't get enough momentum to dive back, tip it over the top. So he's caught in no man's land. People are saying that's true, and yep. it's unfortunate. Because you're right, he made, I mean, minutes later in the second half, the deflection of that one shot, amazing save, made key saves in the first half. But yeah, he's going to be remembered for the mistake in this situation, and, and, and it hurt us. Uh, that being said, I mean, to concede a quarter so quickly after you score. I mean, we just finished the replay. We just finished celebrating. I know. The replay just been shown, essentially. And Charlton out the corner of the fans with a full voice. All of a sudden, ball comes at Williams. We'll talk about Williams again. So yep. many. T- I took each part. I took ten touches in that penalty area. No one wants to get anywhere near him. Everyone is afraid of fouling him. No one is willing to put him in the challenge. All the time in the world, plays it back out wide. Cross comes in. Mitrovic, oh, should do better. Normally he's very good at heading from the defensive yep. areas, but again, I want your center back in that situation. And yep, but it's it's that's he's going to take the blame there, and he should have been in a better position. Oh, very fair by you. I, I know you're a huge fan of Marcus Benelli, so I'm glad that you uh, described that well, but also talk about the other issues on, on giving up that goal. It's, they, it's a team goal that they gave up. You know, again, it's not just one player, but it really was unfortunate because Fulham had the momentum at that point, and I truly believe if they don't give up that goal, they go on to win the match because they were controlling the play. And, well, obviously because they're going to score another goal. We'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit, but – Shortly after that, a little bit after that, you have Joe Bryan who hits the bar. And then Mitro hits the bar in the 62nd minute. So Fulham were really starting to get the uh, opportunities going their way. Then you have the goal by Mitro in the 63rd minute. But this starts off with Tom Kearney. Max, describe the equalizer for Fulham here. Uh, it's, it's such. I think it's a really underrated finish, Alex Mitrovic. He has so much to do here. So when the ball comes in, it's, it's a great ball from Reed, first of all. Kearney, honestly, should score there because he's so close. It's an amazing save uh, by Phillips. And then Nitro, he has to, he's holding off defenders. He has to get a touch on the ball and then squeeze it through with, with a guy that's actually pulling on a shirt. He's strength to, to hold him off and squeeze it through such a tight space because there's a defender throwing himself at it. Phillips is on the line and he kind of lifts it. Really nice improvised finish into the, into the roof of the net. Honestly, a great goal. Um, reminded in a similar way, not of course not exact same, but the yeah. Kennedy's goal against Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah. In, in that, it's kind of, you kind of see it as a simple finish. As in, yeah, they should score that. They're so close, but actually, there's so many bodies in between them and the goal that he had a lot to, to squeeze it in. And it's, yep. Yeah, a lot to do, but it was it was a deserved goal because he was involved in so much. Mitrovic. This is one of the matches when he just loves to tussle with every single defender that comes <laughs> near him. He deserved that goal. It, it was big for him. Yep. And. You saw what it means. I mean, the celebration was just absolute a release of, of all that pressure. It, it meant so much. And at that point, you think, you know what, 20, 25 minutes to go. Oh, I thought we were going to go we're on going to win this. Yes. Well, of course. So that, that's, I think, what the most frustrating aspect is, is that we had the momentum. We did. We were playing well. And we just we, and you're right. We just hit the bar two times before that. Mitrich probably should have scored that one, the other cutback that he smashed against the bar. Um, 
and, and it just seemed inevitable. We get the winner, um, which makes the next kind of half hour so frustrating as well. Absolutely, Max. And the last uh, part of this match, I, I want to give a lot of credit to their goalkeeper because he kept it 2-2 because he had to make save after save. And I'm glad that you mentioned Bettinelli making a save. He actually made a, a save in the 73rd minute on a shot by Lecco. But then you have in the 74th minute a header by Bobby Reed. And then after that, in 81st minute, you have another save on an opportunity from Bobby Reed. 82nd minute, Kearney's shot goes wide. And then I think the best opportunity in the first minute of stoppage time, their goalkeeper, Phillips, makes a great save. Just gets his body in the way of Bobby Reed. And um, that, to me, was going to be the match winner, and it just wasn't to be, Max. So let's talk about the end of the match. The opportunities Fulham had, but I think on the flip side of this, we have to, again, give credit to Child and Athletic for seeing this out because uh, they did enough defensively, especially that goalkeeper, to uh, get a point. Yeah, they, re- they really did dig deep, and they were, they were credit to them because it's tough to stand up against us and when we're, we have all the momentum. And yeah, I mean the Bobby Reed chance. I mean, you could say it's a good save, but honestly, he just hit it right at him, and he should have scored. It was just very weak. Uh, it's a shame because it's such a performance, Bobby Reed. Yep, I hate to see it. And it was a match we should have won. The fact that we didn't, it, it hurts for us. It does. And we had so many, we had so much time to win it, and we just could not get over the finish line. Okay, very good there, Max. All right, so the match ends two-two, and. Uh... I was disappointed, and you'll hear that on full time if you haven't listened to it yet. I, I feel that this is two points drop, Max, because I thought Fulham were the better side overall. Yes, John Athletic were the better team in the first half, but I think that in the second half you really saw Fulham's quality come through, and uh, they were the better team, but sometimes you don't get what you deserve. I thought Fulham deserved all three points. It just wasn't to be. All right, let's now look at – the stats. Let's see what the stats tell us, my friend. Do they match up with what we watched on Saturday? So let's look at the stats. So possession, 70% to 30% in favor of Fulham. Total shots, 20 to 14 in favor of Fulham. For a good portion of this match, Child Athletic had more shots. So it just shows you in the second half how many shots Fulham must have had. Shots on target, 7 to 5 in favor of Fulham. Corners, 8 to 6 in favor of Fulham. Crosses, 47 to 17 in favor of Fulham. Tackles, 12 to 10 in favor of Fulham. Let's look at let's look at passing accuracy, 83%. That's a good number for Fulham, 60% for child and athletic. And finally, fouls, 12 for Fulham and 14 for child and athletic. Okay, Max, what do the full-time stats tell you? I think the cross is a, is a big part of it. You know, 47 crosses we had, and that sums up kind of that last 20 minutes when we were pushing for the winner. We became a bit one-dimensional, and I love getting crossed in the box from Cavalier and Lockhart, but at some point, you have to switch up your attack. And I felt we kind of fell into a trap, simply working the ball out wide and swinging it in with very little success at times. So I think there needs to be more creativity. We have creative players out there, but we fell into a pattern. And I think maybe that's why we didn't get a winner, because all we really had at this point was just whipping in crosses, hoping for the best. And right. the Charleston defenders love that. That's the bread and butter. It's like when Man U played 70 cross against us when we had Dan Burns. <laughs> I remember that. 2-2 draw. Yep. In, in, in 24. It was the same kind of thing. 
they, they can get that up all day. They'll clear it. And then you and us at some point look the boy. Darren Bent. So, <laughs> exactly. Love, what a legend. We love him. Um, but 3-7-17. I mean, that's a ridiculous stat, Russ. That, that stands yeah. out to me. That's the one thing. Wow. That's so many. Um, and then, you know, of course, 70-30 possession. Classic Fulham. Shots, again. Yeah. We had more than double possession, but marginally more shots because we don't make the most out of that possession. Right. Less than two. Absolutely. And uh, that's what's interesting about the stats here. And I'm glad that we talked about the crosses because you could really see that in the second half. And, again, if I'm Scott Parker and the, the team itself, the coaching staff, everyone involved, I look back at that second half and what can we learn from that? What can we build from that? What can we use moving forward? Because I think that there's a lot of positives you can take out of that second half, Max. We're talking about not just the formation change, but just how they played. Some players really being unleashed. We're talking about Cavallaro, who was at a different level. He was the player that I thought we would get from Wolves. I've seen glimpses of it. I really saw in the second half. And maybe, again, this is something to look at and say, okay, how do we get the most out of these players? What can we do moving forward? What have we learned about Fulham's second half that we can use? Because I think that there are things that they can use. And those are the positives that come out of it. Going back to your initial take, which was right now we look like a top six team instead of a top two team because we drop points. Totally understand where you're coming from that. But it is early enough to change the narrative. So, again, Maybe this is a match that can be a turning point where you can learn something and correct what went wrong in the first half and use that moving forward in the second half. So, again, good stuff there, my friend. Before we go, let's finish up with man of the match. Who was your man of the match? Ooh, it's a tough one because I think so many players are excellent. Bobby Reed, for sure, second half was, was outstanding. Yep. Oh, oh I mean. I want to say Mitrovic, actually. Okay. He got his goal, and he was just everywhere. Should have had a second, maybe. But, I mean, the way you – and Scott Parker said this as well in the post-match. Interview. The desire he shows, the effort, running around yep. everywhere, picking up knocks, getting in tussles. Every day, I just realize how lucky we are to have him in this division. He's yep. the championship top scorer now. Eight goals in his last nine games. He's such an asset to us. And the thing is, Sometimes when players drop down from the Premier League to the Championship, they don't they don't seem into it. You know, they should be high quality, but they don't show it. Mitrovic has excelled. He doesn't feel like he's above the Championship. He loves Fulham. He fights for the cause, and more than all around performance he had on Saturday. Okay, I'm gonna go with Reed. That was uh, Giannis's uh, pick too because I I thought he was pivotal in the second half and really Bobby. showed what he could. Yes, Bobby Decker over Reed. I thought he was great. And uh, so I'm going to go with him. And But I understand why you would go with Mitrovic because he was a difference as well. But moving forward, I, I see now what Decker over Reed can offer Fulham. And again, that's what's great about this is that Scott Parker has choices. And I didn't even mention that Josh Anoma came on late in the match. Here's a player we haven't talked a lot about, Max, but he can contribute as well. So there are players that can be part of the mix, and that's what's good about this. It isn't just a blanket starting 11. I think that there are options now for Scott Parker 
to use moving forward. And um, I'm still excited. I'm disappointed by the result, but I see what can possibly happen. I can see the narrative that you mentioned at the beginning of the show potentially changing if they can learn from their mistakes. I'm talking about the players and the coach and the coaching staff and build on it because it's there for them. They should be winning these matches. The trick will be, can they now moving forward? Can they take draws that should be victories and make them victories? Because that'll be the difference between top six and automatic promotion. They're good enough for automatic promotion. Now it's time to show us. Win these matches. Okay. One last thing I want to mention, because I know that there's been a lot of talk about this, Max, and then we're going to wrap this up. Steven Sessegnon had a tough first half. He's a young player, okay? He was poor in the first half, but he's going to learn. Listen, his brother had his struggles too. I want to mention that as well. It's not going to be perfect. He's a young player. Give him a chance. I understand why he was taken off, but that does not mean that you should give up on such a young player. I expect him to play again, and I hope he learns from his mistakes because he's only going to be a a better player for it. He has huge potential. I'm certainly not giving up on Steven Sessignon. I just wanted to end with that. Max, any final thoughts on Steven Sessignon before we go? Oh, yeah. I mean, don't give up on him. I thought he had a tough time in the first half. But I think a lot of Fulham players struggled. He, he was poor possession. He was poor defense. But by no means is that grounds to drop him and give up on him. I mean, as you said, you know, Ryan Sessignon, his first season wasn't all flowers and an and, and easy road, right? Like, there are run-through obstacles as a young player in this tough championship division, and you grow from them. So just because he hit his first really poor game, and I'm not going to say drop him. I mean, you, you weren't going to drop him after that terrible mistake against Simon Forrest when he just gave the ball away. Right. We have to expect him mistakes. That's the risk of playing someone who's only 19 years of age. I stick with him is what I say. He'll only get better. Okay, excellent. Well, great show, my friend, but we do need to wrap this up. For my co-host, Max Cohen, I'm Russ Coleman. Thank you, as always, for listening to Cottage Talk. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.